0: بسم <تصفيق> الحمد لله الرحيم هو نستاهل 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 هو أن هو نستاهل هو نستاهل هو لا Today then, as you're aware, we're starting the new book, and the book that we're going to be starting now is a book by the name of Tadween al-Sunnah, or famously known as Tadween al-Sunnah. Tadween al-Sunnah al nabawiyyah nash'atuhu wa من min al إلى al-Awwal ila الهجري. The compilation of the Sunnah, how the Sunnah was preserved and compiled, how that initially began, the early stages of preservation and compilation, and how that developed all the way from the first generation up until the end of the ninth century from the 1st century up until the ninth century, how the sunnah was compiled in those centuries, how it was preserved, written down, recorded, put into books eventually, how that all occurred, how it developed, what the sahaba, the companions, the salaf they used to do, to make sure that the sunnah was preserved, the ahadith were preserved, compiled, and that's how you see. Now we have Sahih al-Bukhari, Sahih Muslim, Sunan Abi Dawud ibn Majah, all of these books of hadith readily available, preserved, printed, available to everyone. But how was it originally done? This book is going to have a look at that particular topic. And it's a book which they teach in the University of Medina as part of the curriculum in the Faculty of Hadith. Uh, and so it is an important book in understanding the value of the Sunnah, in understanding how that Sunnah was compiled and preserved and put into books and records throughout history. So in terms of the terminology then, if we begin with that, the terminology, the book as we said is known as تدوين sunnah. What does the word tadween mean in the Arabic language? هو تقييد المتفرق المتشتت في ديوان It is the compilation Of different things into one record that you compile from different sources from different places you bring it all together into one record into one place and so for example bringing together different parchments different scrolls and putting them all together into one book that is known as Tadween. So sunnah, Tadween al-Sunnah. means that compilation and gathering of different uh, knowledges, different places where it's recorded in scrolls, in parchments, in books, or the separation of those books and papers, and putting them all together into proper records, into proper files, putting it all together, compiling it, That is the meaning of tadween. It can be used basically, when the scholars mention it, to mean authorship. Tadween, the authorship, the compilation of the sunnah. What about the word sunnah itself? What does the word sunnah mean? So with all definitions, like we've said before, we always explain a linguistic meaning for the word, and then the the Islamic usage of that word. So, linguistically speaking, the word Sunnah, it is, tariqah wa-att-tariqah, wa wa-att-tariqah, Hasana kanat, aw-qabihah. is, a way, a methodology that you tread upon, whether it's something good or bad. Linguistically speaking, a sunnah is something that you do some way that you traverse upon, whether it's good or bad. Whether it is good or bad. That is the meaning of it linguistically. And there is a narration that highlights this point. And that is where the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned, مَنْ سَنَّ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ سُنَّةً حَسَنَةً فَلَهُ أَجْرُهَا وَأَجْرُ مَنْ عَمِيلَ بِيهَا مِنْ بَعْدِهِ مِنْ غَيْرِ أَنْ يُنْقَصَ مِنْ أُجُورِهِمْ شَيْئًا That whomsoever brings about a sunnah in Islam, a good sunnah, then for him is the reward of it and the reward of all of those who act upon it after him without reducing from their rewards anything. They have their rewards and the one who revived that or brought that about, he has his reward and the reward of everyone who acts upon it. وَمَنْ سَنَّ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ سنة سيئة كَانَ عَلَيْهِ مَنْ عَمِلَ بِهَا مِنْ بَعْدِهِ مِنْ غَيْرِ أَنْ ينقص مِنْ أَوْزَارِهِمْ شيئا. And whomsoever introduces or brings about a bad sunnah, some bad way, some bad action, some bad thing, then he will have the evil of that and the evil of all of those people who do that after him without reducing their evil in any way. So the narration, you can see, it is highlighting the two things, the good sunnah and the bad sunnah. Remember, this is in the language, linguistically speaking. A sunnah, people just think of sunnah as something good. That's Islamically. Linguistically, just in the language, the word sunnah, can mean something good, it can mean something bad. In the language of Arabic, it can mean either. So remember, in the language, a sunnah is just a pathway, a methodology, something you do, some way that you tread upon, whether it is good or bad. Islamically speaking now then, the definition of sunnah Islamically now. Islamically, there are different ways to explain what sunnah is. So one of those ways, قال ابن منظور وَقَدْ تَكَرَّرَ فِي الْحَدِيثِ ذِكْرُ السُّنَّةِ وَمَا تَصَرَّفَ مِنْهَا وَالْأَصْلُ فِيهِ الطَّرِيقَةِ وَالسِّيرَةِ He says the same thing that the word sunnah, it's mentioned a lot. In the narrations, the origin of that word is a methodology, something that you do, a way that you tread upon. That is the origin, which we've already explained linguistically. utliqat fi al And if that word Sunnah is mentioned, Islamically speaking, just left open. فإنما يراد بها then what is intended by it ما أمر به النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ونها عنه وندب إليه قولاً وفعلاً مما لم ينطق لم ينطق به الكتاب العزيز he says in the Shara' islamically speaking then the sunnah, what is intended by it, is ما أمر به النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم, what the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم commanded us with, وَنَّهَا عَنْهُ and what he prohibited us from, وَنَدَبَ إِلَيْهِ and what he encouraged us to do, قَوْلًا وَفِعْلًا whether all of that was statements directly from him, or actions that he did, and we follow, العزيز, from that which is not specifically mentioned by the Quran. The Sunnah is what the Prophet commanded us or forbade us through his statements clearly, directly, or through his actions, from that which is not in the Quran. وَلِهَاذَا <laughs> يُقَالُ And that's why he says, we say, when it comes to the evidences, Islamically speaking, evidences, Islamically speaking, we have Al-Kitab wa-Sunnah. The Qur'an, the book of Allah and the Sunnah. We have both of those sources when it comes to Islamic knowledge. The Quran and the Sunnah. A. Al-Quran wal-Hadith. I.e. the Quran and Hadith. So we have those two sources. Al-Imam al he said, وَيُطْلَقُ لَفْظُ السُّنْهِ أَيْضًا فِي مُقَابَلَةِ الْبِدْعَةِ that the word sunnah may be used in opposition to the word bid'ah. Sometimes, Islamically, in the Islamic context, you may see or hear the word sunnah and it's being used in the context of that which opposes bid'ah. That which is opposite to bid'ah. Because you have bid'ah and you have Sunnah. So sometimes when they use the word sunnah what they mean is that this is Sunnah, i.e. it's not bida. Fayukal Fulan ala sunnah. So it can be said, it is said, such and such is upon the sunnah. Such and such is upon Sunnah. Why you call ala ma jaa. Uh, به النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم, if a person is acting upon that which the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم came with, then you say he is a person upon Sunnah. Wa call fulan ala bid'ah, and you say such and such is upon bid'ah, innovation. Idha amila ala khilaf if he is somebody acting and doing things in opposition to what the Prophet came with. So you can have the word sunnah in that context. In the context of sunnah and bid'ah, such and such is upon sunnah, if he is following what the Prophet came with, and such and such is upon bid'ah, if he is upon a way that opposes what the Prophet ﷺ came with. So you see the word sunnah in that context. Similarly, Al-Imam al-Shatabi also said, وَيُطْلَقُ لَفْظُ السُنَّةِ عَلَى مَا عَمِلَ عَلَيْهِ الصَّحَابَةِ That the word sunnah can also be applicable in highlighting or referring to the actions of the Sahaba. The word Sunnah can also be applicable in referring to the actions of the Sahaba, what the Sahaba, رضي الله عنهم were upon. Wujida whether these actions are particularly already also found in the Qur'an or not. Whether they are found in the Qur'an or not, actions of the Sahaba may be referred to as sunnah also. لِكَوْنِهِ اتِّبَاعًا لِسُنَّةٍ ثَبَتَتْ عِنْدَهُمْ لَمْ تُنْقَلْ إِلَيْنَا أَوْ اِجْتِهَادًا مُجْتَمَعًا عَلَيْهِ مِنْهُمْ أَوْ من خلفائهم. Because the actions of the companions, they are actions that they are doing in following the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam, Or something that they have made an ijtihad upon and they are all united upon it. Something that comes to us from Al-Khulafa ar and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa has already spoken about them. Alaykum <laughs> bi sunnati wa sunnatil khulafa al-rashidin, al-mahdiyin. Upon you is my sunnah and the sunnah of the rightly guided caliphs. So sometimes the word sunnah may be used in some contexts. Some scholars may mention it in the context of the actions of the Sahaba, that it is Sunnah. Similarly, what we can say then, having looked at those different definitions and what the scholars may use the word Sunnah to mean, Sunnah as the actions of the Sahaba, Sunnah in opposition to Bid'a, Sunnah as the statements and actions of the Prophet ﷺ, Putting all of that together, we can conclude, as the scholars have concluded, and it's become settled, as a definition of the sunnah, that it is, as the scholars of hadith say, the scholars of hadith, they say, the muhaddithun, كُلُّ مَا أُثِرَ عَنِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عليه وسلم, مِنْ قَوْلٍ أَوْ فِعْلٍ أَوْ تَقْرِيرٍ أو Everything that is reported, that is narrated, that comes from the Prophet وسلم, whether it's a statement, or an action, or a tacit approval, or a description, a characteristic. Everything that is narrated to us from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa from statements, from actions, from his tacit approval, from his descriptions, then all of that comes under the fold of the word sunnah. His statements, that is clear. Where there are hadith, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam commands us to do something, or prohibits us from doing something clear hadith, with the speech of the Prophet Also his actions is a clear thing, <coughs> that the companions narrate the Prophet used to do this or used to do that, so then we know that is from the actions of the Prophet wasallam, Like he said, kama usalli." Pray as you have seen me pray. From his actions of prayer. خُذُوا عَنِّي مناسككم. Take from me your rights of hajj. From the actions of the Prophet wasallam. So the actions of what the Prophet did. Sunnah, that's easy to understand. The tacit approval, what is that? The taqreer, as they may say. The acknowledgment of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the tacit approval of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. What is that? Is that where something happened and um, Prophet kept quiet? Basically, that something happened. Maybe the companions did a particular action, and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam remained silent upon it. That shows that their action was okay. Because if it wasn't, the Prophet ﷺ would not have remained silent upon it. He would have corrected them. So when the companions used to do certain things, and the Prophet ﷺ never said anything to them about it, it indicates that those actions of theirs were okay. If they weren't, then the Prophet ﷺ would not have remained silent and let them carry on doing things that are in opposition to the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Hence, when the Prophet ﷺ remains silent upon their actions, meaning basically allows them to, to do that, it indicates that those actions are good and okay and Sunnah. An example of that is the hadith Regarding uh, I believe Jabir رضي anhu عنه Where he said Kunna نَعْزِلُ fi عَهْدِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَىٰهِ صلى سَلَّمُ وَالْقُرْآنُ يَنْزِلُ That we used to uh, perform coitus interruptus During the time of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم Whilst the Quran was still being revealed The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم Never told them that this act Of coitus interruptus is impermissible. Never told them that this act is impermissible. Despite the fact that they were doing that, they would perform that, engage in that, during the time of the Prophet But they were never told, that's impermissible, that's haram. Indicating therefore, that this action is permissible. If it wasn't permissible, then certainly the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa would have told them that it is impermissible. Some people they say, but what if the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa wasn't aware that they were doing this? So how can his silence upon that matter be deemed as an evidence that it's okay? What if he just wasn't aware they were doing that? Absolutely. If it was happening at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, when the revelation was still coming, if any such acts were being carried out by the companions that were impermissible haram against the religion, then even if the Prophet wasn't aware of that, he would have been made aware. The revelation would have come to him, rectifying certain affairs that were happening or that companions were doing and was wrong, <coughs> revelation would have come to him, he would have been made aware. So you cannot make the argument, but the companions were doing things during the time of the Prophet In narrations they say, during the time of the Prophet we used to do this and we used to do that. The scholars say, that is an evidence that it's sunnah, it's allowed. Because if they were doing it during the time of the Prophet and the Prophet ﷺ never told them, you can't do that, then it's an indication of approval. Because the Prophet ﷺ would certainly have been made aware, would certainly have been made aware that something is wrong if it was wrong, and would certainly have corrected that otherwise. Hence, they call that the taqreer, the tacit approval. That the Prophet ﷺ approved of affairs going on by not rejecting them, by not correcting them, by not saying anything about them, acknowledging them, allowing them, approving of them. That is known as the tacit approval. Then also the Sifah, the descriptions and the characteristics of the Prophet ﷺ is also mentioned in that definition. So according to the scholars of hadith, it is All of that which is narrated to us From the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, From his statements His actions His tacit approvals And his descriptions and characteristics As for the scholars of The principles of fiqh Usulul al-fiqh They explain it as Kullu ma sadara عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من قول أو فعل أو تقرير مما يصلح أن يكون دليلا لحكم شرعي They say it is everything that emanates from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم from statements, from actions, from tacit approvals, from that which is Suitable to be an Islamic evidence for something. All statements or actions or tacit approvals of the Prophet ﷺ that can be used as an Islamic evidence for something. Meaning if there was some action of the Prophet ﷺ that is not an Islamic evidence for anything it was just something the Prophet used to do, or the people used to do at the time, then they won't consider that as a sunnah. So basically the sunnah according to them, is all statements or actions or tacit approvals from that which is suitable as an Islamic evidence for the affairs. As for the fuqaha, the scholars of fiqh, they say as well, مَا فِي فِعِلِهِ ثَوَابٌ وَفِي تَرْكِهِ مُلَامَةٌ وَعِتَابٌ لَعِقَبٌ That a sunnah is everything that there is a reward for it if you do it. A sunnah is something that you will be rewarded for if you do it. And you will be blameworthy if you abandon it. You will be blameworthy if you abandon it. But there will not be a punishment upon it. A sunnah according to the fuqaha. عند الفقaha. السنة ما في فعله ثواب وفي تركه ملامة وعتاب لاعقا. A sunnah is where there is reward in an action to do it and there is blameworthiness in leaving it but no punishment. <coughs> because a sunnah, a general sunnah, if you don't do it, is that a sin? It's not a sin. It's not a sin like entering the mosque, you should enter with your right foot. If you forget and enter with your left foot, is it a sin? No. If you remember and do it though, you will be rewarded. That's what they said. A sunnah is something you are rewarded upon if you do it. If you don't do it, then you're blameworthy. Imagine you know, but you purposely go with your left foot. Then blameworthy. Why have you done that, gun against the sunnah? But is there sin? No. There isn't a sin for not having done it. So they explain the sunnah in that way. So that is the types of sunnah which are not obviously obligatory. Sunnah, it has different contexts to it. Sometimes you say something is a sunnah and it's actually an obligation. Sometimes something is a sunnah where it is a sunnah in the way people understand a sunnah. But if you do it, it's good. If you don't do it, there's no punishment though. So these are the different explanations regarding sunnah. You can see That they all overlap on the topic of statements of the Prophet, actions of the Prophet, tacit approvals of the Prophet. These are the type of things, these are the type of things we are referring to when we talk about the Sunnah of the Prophet. Firstly, then what we need to mention how much time we have? So firstly then, let's discuss briefly today the status of the Sunnah compared to the Qur'an. The status of the Sunnah compared to the Qur'an. As-Sunnah <laughs> bil-ma'na ما أضيف إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من قول وفعل وتقرير هي أحد قسمي الوحي الإلهي الذي أنزل على رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم والقسم الآخر من الوحي هو القرآن الكريم الذي هو كلام الله رب العالمين منزل غير مخلوق منه بدأ وإله يعود The Sunnah, in terms of it being the statements, the actions, the tacit approvals of the Prophet that Sunnah is one of the two revelations. The two revelations obviously are the Quran and the Sunnah. So the Sunnah is one part of the two overall parts of the revelation. The two overall parts of the revelation, the Qur'an and the Sunnah. So that Sunnah is one part out of the two parts of revelation. And there are many evidences in the Qur'an itself highlighting the importance of the Sunnah and that we must follow the Sunnah. Evidences in the Sunnah itself telling us that too. And evidences from the statements of the Salaf, telling us that too. So let's begin with the evidences from the Quran, telling us about the status of the Sunnah and that we must follow the Sunnah. In Surah Al-Najm, ayah number three and four, "Wama Hawa illa that the Prophet sallallahu wa sallam Does not speak from his desires Rather that is revelation inspired upon him The Prophet sallallahu wa sallam Does not speak from his desires That sunnah isn't just what the Prophet sallallahu wa sallam is saying Rather it is revelation inspired upon him Ayat in the Quran telling us that. Similarly, in, for example, Surah al-Hashr, number seven, "Wa ma ata'akum al-Rasul fakhuzuh, Wa mana ha'akum anhu fantahu." That which the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that which the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam gives you, then take it. And that which he prohibits you from, fantahu. Then abstain from it. Stop that. Wattaku And fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inna Allah shadeedu al-iqab. Indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most severe in punishment. Clear ayah. Allah telling us what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam puts forth to you. Take it. And what he prohibits you from, then stop it. Clear in the Quran the command for us to have to follow the Sunnah of the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Similarly, in Ali Imran, ayah number 31. Say, that if you truly love Allah, then follow me. Follow the Prophet sallam and Allah will love you and forgive for you your sins. وَاللَّهُ al-Rahim. Indeed, Allah is the aft forgiving and the aft merciful. In the ayah, in the Qur'an here, we are being told, if you truly love Allah, then follow the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Follow the sunnah Don't claim to be loving Allah And then abandon the sunnah And oppose the sunnah And make up all types of bid'ah and innovation Bid'ah and innovation instead of sunnah Is not a sign of your love for Allah The sign of your love for Allah Is that you abandon innovation and bid'ah And that you follow the sunnah follow the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam similarly in surah an-nisa number 65 fa la wa rabbika la yu'minun hatta yuḥkimūka fī mā shajara baynahum that by allah by your lord they do not believe until they put you as the judge in that which they dispute between themselves over ثم لا يَجِدُوا في أنفسهم حرجا، then they do not find any hesitance in of themselves مما they do not find any hesitance thereafter in what you judge، in what you rule، ويسلموا تَسْلِيمًا and they submit to that wholeheartedly، that they do not believe that iman is not complete until they make you the judge in their affairs. And then they have no hesitance thereafter in accepting what you rule, and they submit to that wholeheartedly. Meaning, they submit to the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam wholeheartedly, and do not have any hesitance against the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam. In Surah An-Nur, sixty three الَّذِينَ يُخَالِفُونَ عَنْ أَمْرِهِ أَن تُصِيبَهُمْ فِتْنَةٌ أَوْ يُصِيبَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ Then let them be warned, those who oppose his command that a fitna will afflict them and that a severe torment will afflict them let them be warned, those who oppose his command, oppose the sunnah, of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that they may be afflicted by a fitna, which Imam Ahmad and the scholars mentioned, may well be shirk itself, afflicted by that, for opposing the sunnah, of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, or that they be afflicted by a severe torment, for opposing The sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وَهُنَاكَ آيَاتٌ كَثِيرَةٌ فِي الْحَثِّ عَلَى اتِّبَاعِ السُنَّةِ وَوُّجُوبِ لُزُومِهَا وَتَحْرِيمِ مُخَالَفَتِهَا And there are many other ayat that show us and encourage us upon following the sunnah and indicate to us the obligation of sticking to the sunnah and the impermissibility of opposing the sunnah. Many other ayat, but that is simply an example of some of them, uh, indicating the remainder of them. Then from the sunnah itself, from the sunnah itself, evidences indicating the importance of following that sunnah. There is a narration from Abu Rafi'ah, the freed slave of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. An, an Abi Rafi'ah, Mawla Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and call, qala Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said, La Alfayana Ahadakum Amrun Let me not find any of you sitting back and relaxing on his sofa sitting back and relaxing on his place of sitting on his chair on his cushion let me not find you sitting back and relaxing and a command comes to you from the commands that i have made amrun mimma amartu bihi anhu or a prohibition from the prohibitions that i have uh, explained let me not find any of you sitting back and relaxing and a command comes to him from the commandments from the sunnah or a prohibition from the prohibitions of the sunnah and he says Ma wajadna fi كِتَابِ اللَّهِ اتبعنا. He says, whatever we find in the Qur'an will follow it. This, whatever we find in the Qur'an will follow that. But this commands and prohibitions from the sunnah, put them aside basically. Prophet ﷺ said, let me not find any of you doing that. He's sitting back relaxing, a command comes to him, a prohibition comes to him from the Sunnah, and he says, La Adri, I don't know, I don't know. Ma wajadna fiqitabilla. What we find in the Quran will follow that. But this I don't know, I don't know. The Prophet said, Let me not find any of you doing that. Basically, let me not find any of you rejecting and neglecting my Sunnah, pushing my Sunnah aside. Let me not find any of you doing that. Similarly, there are other narrations that indicate this same type of point. Hadith of Jabir ibn Abdillah, he said, قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لَعَلَّ أَحَدَكُمْ يَأْتِيهِ حَدِيثٌ مِّنْ حَدِيثِهِ وَهُوَ مُتَّكِئٌ عَلَى أَرِيكَتِهِ فَيَقُولَ دَعُونَا مِنْ هَذَا Ma وَجَدْنَا فِي كِتَابِ اللَّهِ اتبعنا. That let me not, oh rather it mentions in this one, perhaps one of you is sitting back and relaxing and a hadith from one of my hadith comes to you. And you're sitting back and relaxing and you say, leave us from that. Leave that, forget that. What we find in the Quran will follow that. Prophet Sallam said, let me not, Find any of you doing that. Rejecting and ignoring the sunnah, saying the Qur'an will follow it. Sunnah we don't know, I don't know, leave that. Let me not find any of you doing that. So just like this, there are many evidences in the sunnah, highlighting, following the sunnah. The famous hadith of al Albad ibn Sariyah, that everybody will have come across. bi Sunnati, Clear from the Prophet wasallam. Upon you is to cling to my sunnah. Upon you is to practice my sunnah. Alaykum bi sunnati wa sunnat alkhulafah alraashidin almahiyyin Clear narration highlighting the Prophet ﷺ telling us, "Upon you is to practice my sunnah. Tamsakubihah, cling unto it. Addu alayha bi bite unto it with your molotif." Clear narrations telling us we must practice the Sunnah. Then from the statements of the Sahaba from the Salaf indicating the importance of following the Sunnah, we have the famous narration from Al Hassan al Basri. Anna Imran ibn Ashabu. That on one occasion Imran ibn Hussein was sitting and he had his people with him in the gathering فَقَالَ رَجُلٌ مِنَ الْقَوْمِ so a man from amongst the people he says to Imran ibn Hussein, Imran ibn Hussein, who was teaching them talking to them a man from the people says to him says to Imran ibn husayn لَا تُحَدِّثُونَ بِالْقُرْآنِ أَلَا illa bil Quran. He says to him, Do not speak to us except with Qur'an. Only give us evidences of the Qur'an, ayat of the Qur'an. Do not speak to us except with the Qur'an only. Meaning hadith, leave it aside. Only Qur'an. So then it's mentioned that Imran ibn Hussein says to him, Udnu. He says to him, come here. So then that man comes Fadana Then Imran ibn Hussein says to him Imran ibn Hussein says to him ara'ayta law wukilta anta wa ashabuka ila al-Qur'an Do you see if you and your companions were left to the Qur'an only akunta tajidu fihi salat adh-dhuhr arba'an wa salat al-'asr arba'an وَصَلَاةَ الْمَغْرِبِ ثَلَاثًا Would you find, if you were left to the Qur'an only, would you find that dhuhr prayer is four raka'at mentioned in the Qur'an? Would you find that the Qur'an tells you asr is four raka'at? Would you find that it tells you maghrib is three raka'at, تُقْرَأُ فِي اثْنَتَيْنِ and that you read out loud in the first two? Are those details in the Qur'an? That Dhuhr is 4 raka'at, and Asr is 4 raka'at, and that Maghrib is 3 raka'at, we loud in the first two. Are those details in the Quran? They are not. He said, if you want to stick to only Quran, forget the Sunnah, then where would you get these details? Would these be found in the Quran? How would you know Dhuhr is 4 raka'at if you don't follow the Sunnah? How would you know Asr is 4 raka'at if you don't find it in the Sunnah? How would you know maghrib is three raka'at and you read loud in the first two if you didn't find it in the sunnah? It's not in the Qur'an. You have to find it in the sunnah. So he's telling him, how are you telling me only stick to the Qur'an? If we only stick to the Qur'an, then how do we pray the zuhur, Asr maghrib? These details are not in the Qur'an. These details are in hadith. the sunnah, in the hadith. Then he said to him as well, <laughs> Ilal Qur'an. Do you see if you and your companions were left just to the Quran? Would you find in the Quran that tawaf around the Kaaba is seven times? Is that detail mentioned in the Quran when you do Tawaf it's seven times around the Kaaba? Not in the Quran, it's in the Hadith, the Sunnah. Would you find about the Sa'i between Safa and Marwa seven times and those details, all of the details like that in the Qur'an or in the Sunnah? In the Sunnah, in the Hadith. So he explained to him, this idea of yours, forget the Sunnah, forget the Hadith, we don't know, authentic, not authentic, forget that, just Qur'an. If you're gonna do that, then there are many details which you're not gonna find in the Qur'an, they are in the Hadith, in the Sunnah. Then he tells them, He says, Oh people, عنا, take from us. Imran ibn Hussein says to everybody then, People, listen, take from us. Because by Allah, if you don't, if you don't follow what we're saying, i.e., Quran and Sunnah, if you don't do that, then you will certainly all go astray. You will certainly all be misguided if you abandon the sunnah. So we can see here evidences from the Quran, evidences from the sunnah itself, evidences from the sahaba, from the salaf. And there's more to come which we'll continue with next time. More evidences from the salaf highlighting that station and that status of the sunnah and the importance of following it. So that is where we'll leave this opening class. The introduction and the beginning of this book, Tadweena Sunnah. There is a lot of detail that will come during this book. It will start to explain what the Sahaba used to do at the beginning with hadith, how they used to memorize it and keep it all recorded, then what the Salaf did after them, then how the book started to get written it will give an explanation about Sahih al-Bukhari, the details of that and why al-Imam al-Bukhari wrote it and everything, Sahih Muslim and the details of that and why al-Imam Muslim wrote it and everything, all the other books, Sunnah Nabi Dawud ibn Majah, Tirmidhi, and nasai all of the details are gonna come. How all of this Sunnah was initially compiled, put together, recorded, preserved so that no doubt is left amongst anybody trying to reject this hadith, reject that hadith. It's going to explain it in detail how this sunnah was preserved throughout history, insha'Allah ta'ala. So that's where we'll round off on today for the opening session. We'll carry on next week straight after Maghrib insha'Allah ta'ala. So that would be maybe 7.15 by next week or something. As soon as Maghrib is done, we come and we begin after the Maghrib prayer, inshaAllah ta'ala, next week again. So we'll round off on that for tonight. Any questions or anything before we conclude? In that case, we'll we'll leave it at that. Revise the lesson, listen to the recordings, practice them, so that you remember everything properly as we go through the whole of the course. So we'll round off on that.